Tuesday, Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be back for another day. Big show coming up. Um, We'll talk a little bit of wild on this show, but if you want more coverage of um, Dean Evison fired, John Hines hired as wild head coach, Sarah McClellan and I did a bonus special edition of Daily Delivery last night, Monday night, recorded that and edited that as I was watching one of the worst football games I've ever watched. We'll definitely get to that Vikings 12-10 loss here in a minute, but go back and listen to that one if you want more wild coverage, but I'll offer a couple more thoughts on that here in a minute. Randy Johnson joins me in a little while as well to talk Gopher football. Um, big uh, big offseason ahead for the Gophers, although the offseason won't start yet because they do get to go to a bowl game even at 5-7 and seven this season. So Randy and I will talk through that here in a little bit, as well as uh, some interesting stuff in the transfer portal that has emerged. Uh, maybe a quarterback they're interested in in the transfer portal that uh, could at least give Ethan Calic-Manis some competition in 2024. Um, get to a Wolves thought at the end. Uh, first, though, what I miss, let's go deep on the Vikings because um, they couldn't go deep, couldn't go middle, couldn't go short, couldn't do much of anything on offense on Monday night. It was an infuriating game to watch, an infuriating performance. Four interceptions from Joshua Dobbs, a couple of them. Not necessarily his fault. One of them bounces off of Jordan Addison's hands. One of them is kind of a desperation fourth down look over the middle that uh, that you know ends up as an interception. Didn't really matter, but there were other passes that weren't intercepted intercepted that certainly could have been, and um, a couple of them were certainly just bad interceptions. So the kind of the the big takeaway from this game, aside from the loss, aside from what it does for the Vikings now six and six is that it, it takes kind of this momentum away from this feel-good story of Josh Dobbs, right? You, you had this kind of Hallmark-esque story almost, this quarterback who came in, resuscitated the season after Kirk Cousins got hurt, um, you know, had two remarkable games, you know, one remarkable half really against Atlanta, a really good game against New Orleans. He played okay against Denver. I didn't think he was that bad against Denver, but uh, they shut him down in the second half. Started to worry at the end of that Denver game that they were starting to figure out what Josh Dobbs does well, what the Vikings are trying to do with him, and then the Bears, I think, carried that into Monday night, really limiting the things he likes to do outside the pocket, making him be more of a pure pocket passer. And when you do that, you can expose some of his limitations, which are he's not terribly accurate. He's not, you know, the world's least accurate quarterback, but he's not terribly accurate, and he does not have the world's strongest arm. His gifts are athletic gifts. His gifts are, you know, making plays off schedule, but also in rhythm. Needs a little bit of time, needs a little bit of... uh, Needs a little bit of time to, to make those plays, and the offensive line wasn't very good in this game. So it all added up to four interceptions, um, a game where the Vikings really couldn't move the ball at all until the end. They're gifted um, you know, some some great play by the defense and two key turnovers late to get into the game. You know, they get a touchdown off of a late Bears fumble, get up to get there, they go ahead 10-9. They get another turnover. And they're they're in prime position to win, but they can't put the game away. They end up losing 12-10. And uh, like I said, the real question going into the bye week now is, is Josh Dobbs still the quarterback? The bigger question to me, though, is this. Um, Kevin O'Connell, head coach of the Vikings, I, I put this game 
equally on O'Connell and Dobbs in terms of how we're going to divide up the blame. I get it. Dobbs threw four interceptions. Two of them, definitely his fault. Another one that could have been a pick six did not end up going back because it was dropped by a Bears defender. Dobbs played a terrible game. Kevin O'Connell, his head coach, did him absolutely no favors. The game plan was bad. It was flat. Did not play to Josh Dobbs' strengths. Did not seem to make him comfortable in any way, shape, or form. Dobbs just didn't look like he had any kind of rhythm. The scripted stuff early was bad. The Vikings barely had the ball in the first half. And then some of the key decision-making in the second half, again, revealed O'Connell's biggest weakness, which is that he has very mediocre feel for the game. If he's a He's an okay play caller. He's a replacement level game manager. He's just he doesn't have a great feel yet for what the situation calls for in a given moment. And I, I thought he was better at this to a degree last season, which is disappointing, right? I, I rarely found myself watching a game last year, his first year as head coach. I, have, I rarely found myself watching a game, following it along, and thinking, ah, what's he doing? This is this is obviously not the common sense thing to do. This doesn't feel like it matches the game flow. Now, he's been, I think, too conservative in a couple games recently that hasn't really matched the moment. I think there were some examples against Denver where you could say, God, they should have gone for it or they should have tried this or that. They got too conservative on some, you know, some plays at the end of that Denver game, settled for a field goal, things like that. In this game, he was too aggressive a couple times, including midfield. It's a 3-3 game. Neither team has scored much. The Bears are moving the ball way better than the Vikings, but neither team has scored much. Fourth and seven from midfield early in the second half decides to go for it. And it's like, what? It just It made no sense. I assumed they were either trying to draw them off sides, but even that wouldn't give you a first down in that scenario. I was like, what are they doing? Are they, are they confused? Are they really giving it to get the snap off? They do get the snap off. They get a completed pass. It's almost a first down. Hawkinson ends up being about a half yard short of a first down. It's a turnover on downs. Even if that succeeds, though, the the risk-reward there just didn't feel like you're going nowhere on offense. You've been shutting down the Bears reasonably well. Pin them deep at that point. Don't give them a short field. And, of course, the Bears take that short field, get a a field goal, gives them that 6-3 lead, totally changed the momentum of that game on that play. Now, he went for it again a little bit later. I thought that was the right decision. It was fourth and three. It was a little deeper into Bears territory, like the 42, 43-yard line. That one was like, okay, that one's pretty obvious. You go for it there. You're trailing by a little bit. You don't have all that much to lose. It did end up costing them field position. They didn't get it. It did end up costing them another field goal by the Bears, but that was a more defensible go for it. I agreed with that one, but the fourth and seven just it just came out of left field. It's like it's almost like he had internalized all these people saying, you're not being aggressive enough. You're not being aggressive enough. And then he overcompensated by going for it in a completely ridiculous situation with a quarterback who was struggling, with a quarterback he didn't seem to trust, and we'll get to that in a minute, with a quarterback he didn't seem to trust on the night, and for good reason, because Dobbs was not playing well. But that was a weird call that really impacted a very low-scoring game. And the Bears only scored 12 points. Um, They won by two points. I tend to think the field goal they gave them with that short field might have been kind of meaningful in that game. Now, we get a little further in the game. Like I said, it's 10-9 Vikings. They've got all the momentum now, finally. They've scored a touchdown. They've turned Justin Fields over for the second consecutive time. Josh Metellus, a monster game. Two forced fumbles. They get the ball at the Bears 43. There's like 
little over three minutes left. They have first down at the Bears 43. They're up 10-9. Win expectancy at that point is 80%, right? You're like, okay, here they go. They, they've played like garbage for 58 minutes or probably a little bit less than that because they went on that drive. 52 minutes, whatever it was before they started on that scoring drive. They've been playing terribly all night, especially on offense, particularly on offense. The defense have been playing fine. But they get to that moment, and they do two runs, predictable runs. Madison gets one yard, I think, one yard total on these two runs. The Bears burn some timeouts in there, but it's third and nine now. And they call like a little pass out into the flat. It's poorly blocked. They lose a yard. So you're not even in field goal range. You're not even in a range where you could consider going for it. You have to punt. You've got a just a demoralizing punt. What are your best three plays? What are your best three safest plays to get some yards in that situation? Those are the plays I want to see right there. Not two Alexander run Alexander Madison runs up the middle and a pass to Brandon Powell in the flat. Those are not the plays I want to see right there. Give me something better there. Show me something there that you're going to be cautiously aggressive. I know those two terms seem like they're an oxymoron, but they don't have to be. What's something safe that can also get yards? Maybe there's, maybe that doesn't exist in your playbook. I don't know, but maybe something where Josh Dobbs is going to run the ball, some, something that's going to exploit his athleticism and not just kind of plowing into the line or having him throw a check down, essentially, route that, that might or might not work. I don't know. I didn't like that sequence. Predictably, they have to punt. Predictably, it's a bad punt. Predictably, the Bears march down the field and kick the winning field goal. The Vikings barely get the ball back. It's desperation time at that point. They get the one final play that goes nowhere. They lose 12-10. They deserved everything they got in this game, but the opportunity was there to win. They took a major step back in this game. Josh Dobbs took a huge step back. Kevin O'Connell took a pretty significant step step back too because here we here we were like 2 weeks ago praising Kevin O'Connell <clears throat> up and down. He's in Josh Dobbs earpiece telling him what to do in these games, telling kind of talking him through everything. He's got this quarter, he's the quarterback whisperer. He's telling him do this, do that. Here's and the you know the the buzzer goes off at 15 seconds. He can't hear him anymore, but then he's back in his ear for the next play. He's talking him through everything. There's, there's, there's natural, right, there's a natural thing that happens where the defenses are going to catch up to it, but it almost seems like there's been a regression. Like the more Dobbs knows about this offense, the more comfortable he is knowing everything about this offense, the worse he is because he's not playing with instinct. He's not playing free. He's not using his athleticism anymore. It's almost like O'Connell's trying to turn him into more of a pocket passer. I don't know. I'm just not, I wasn't impressed at all with Dobbs in this game. If you if you had Dobbs mania, if you had Dobbs fever thinking, hey, could this be a long-term solution for the Vikings? Uh, I think we pumped the brakes really fast on that on that in this game and, and some in last game too. If you thought Kevin O'Connell was some sort of quarterback whisperer who could just take anybody and make him great, I think this is a this is a strike against him. This is a this is a check mark where you say, ah, you know what? Maybe they were better off when he was just kind of playing free, and then now O'Connell has done something that now Dobbs is not is not playing to his full potential. But I I, I think the bigger thing with O'Connell is that he's not a great play caller, and he does not have a great feel for game situations. Is not a great game manager. Those are two things he's got to get a lot better of going forward. Now, the silver lining in all this is this: this is a team that looked by and large like they just need a buy. Right? They 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 were limping into. A, you know, a late, late buy. It really looks like they just need a week off. <clears throat> They're going to get that. They're going to get Justin Jefferson back. They probably still just need to win three of their last five to get a wild card spot. I think the division race 
pretty well settled at this point because even Detroit can't blow this one, I don't think, even with how poorly they've been playing lately. But they've got two weeks to decide if Dobbs is their quarterback going forward, if they want to go back to Jaron Hall or Nick Mullins. They've got two weeks to get Justin Jefferson completely healthy, and they look like a team that's missing Justin Jefferson the last two weeks. They've, they got they got through it, but now they need they need him back. They need their star player back in the mix for the stretch run if they're going to be an effective offense. So they've got some things going for them. The fact that they came back from 0-3, 1-4, and at least got to 6-6 and at the bye still feels like they're in reasonable shape, still feels like a season that had gone off the rails is still in a spot where they could get a playoff berth. But, man, an opportunity missed in these last two weeks, and especially Monday night against a terrible Bears team that wanted to lose, and you just wouldn't let them because the offense couldn't get anything done. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Let's talk Gopher football today. A little bit of a different schedule than we usually have in the uh, football season with the Vikings playing Monday night, of course. We talked about that. Um, Randy Johnson joins me right now to talk Gopher football Coming off, Randy, uh, four losses in a row Saturday, lose a chance to get the axe, finish five and seven, but they still are now in line for a bull bid, even at five and seven. You've explained this, Randy, very well in various formats. I think you even talked us through it last week, but explain again why and how a 5-7 and seven team gets to still go to a bowl game? Well, it's based on their uh, a thing called the academic progress rate. And what the NCAA did, uh, it's been you know probably 10, 12 years ago now, uh, if there were not enough six-win bowl te- teams to fill all the bowl spots, they would use uh, five-win teams with the best academic uh, progress rate. Um, this year's a little bit of a twist because um, two teams that have pretty good records, uh, James Madison and Jacksonville State, they're making the transition from right. uh, FCS to FBS, and they're not eligible to get in into a bowl the traditional way, just you know, like if you have more than six wins. But what the NCAA did was threw them a bone. If there were if there were enough open spot, if there are two open spots, they'd get those um, based on their record. Uh, and there were two open spots. Uh, turns out then there was a third, and that goes to the Gophers because they had the best through, uh, APR score of any of the remaining five-win teams. Um, they used this path back in uh, 2015 right. where they went to the Quick Lane Bowl and, and uh, beat Central Michigan. Um, you know, there, there is a chance that this, this, uh, using this APR score to get into a bowl game, it might lead to the same bowl uh, again in right. Detroit. For the Talk third time, that. yeah, in uh, since 2015, because they played there in 2018. So they get they're going to get a they're going to get a bid, but we don't know yet where. And a lot of the projections, like you said, say they're going to go back to Detroit and play in that quick lane bowl because it's it's not a 
It's not a highly coveted bowl, but when you're five and seven, um, you don't exactly get to <laughs> you don't get to exactly get to parse exactly where you're going. But some of this has to do with how a team will travel, and you don't want to send a team to the same place too many times in a short span of time. So, what, what do you think is what do you see? What are the most likely scenarios? Obviously, including quick lane. Yeah, it's um, well, the Big Ten has nine teams that gain bowl eligibility with the Gophers being one of them, the using the side door there. Um, so the way it shakes out, looks like the big 10 will get three teams in the new year, six bowls, Michigan in the, in the, in the playoff, uh, Ohio state, uh, and Penn state and, and, uh, a couple of other, other new year, six bowls. So if you go by, <clears throat> if you go by chalk, the Gophers would slot in at, at the, uh, quick lane in Detroit uh, at five and seven. Um, the next bowl up from there would be the Las Vegas Bowl. It looks like uh, there's a good, a good chance Northwestern gets to that one. Um, you know, for the Gophers to get in that one, you know, they have to have a, a, a good argument about traveling and you know bringing a fan base. Uh, it'd be it'd be kind of tough, I think, for them to jump over Northwestern because they finished two games behind Northwestern and Northwestern beat them head to head. If right. that if that if that were to be used by the bowl people, which sometimes it is, it is not. Sometimes it, they'll just go by their whim or what they want. Um, you know what they think will fill the place better than than on a, a sure. different team. Now there is another <clears throat> situation too. Um, the if the Big Ten has a team in the Orange Bowl, there they do not. They will not have a team in the uh, ReliaQuest Bowl, which is the old out, Outback Bowl in Tampa. Okay. If say Georgia would lose to Alabama in the SEC title game, they could fall into the Orange Bowl as a, as as the highest ranked team there. Um, that would, uh, I'd still say that both Ohio state and Penn state would be in that new year six, but that would open up the, uh, the Tampa bowl, the, the old outback to, for a big 10 for, for the big 10 teams, they'll all just to move up. One. Okay. And that way the Gophers, uh, Vegas would, would be possible, pro- possible, if not probable because, uh, they haven't been there yet. And then some other teams that in their, in their same mix have, uh, that would leave the quick lane of, uh, not filled by the Big Ten, which it has happened quite often. I mean, the, the Gophers were the last Big Ten team to play okay. in the, in 2018. So, if you're a Gopher fan that wants to go to Vegas instead of Detroit, you want Alabama to beat Georgia. Yeah, I would say I would say so. That that would if if that uh, if that opens up the Tampa both for the Big Ten, that that kind of boosts everybody up a notch. Um, so, yeah, that would be that would be the way for the Gophers to get there. Now, is that set in stone? No. We don't know right. what's going to happen. There, there, there is one, one other scenario could be, sure. if say, if the Gophers are pegged for the quick lane, does, say, uh, A.D. Mark Coyle, does he uh, basically work with the Big Ten to try to make a trade with another a non a, a, a bull that's not affiliated with the Big Ten, like send, send them to, say, someplace like uh, Fort Worth or Shreveport or someplace that isn't Detroit? Um just for variety's sake. You sound like someone who's like anywhere but Detroit. <laughs> you know, I, I I went there in, in 2018 and yeah. I enjoyed myself. I, it, yeah, of it, course. It I, I didn't have a have a problem. It was it was, you know, it, it's not, you know, it doesn't have the best reputation for a, a winter destination. Um right. uh, it, it's it's a day after Christmas too, so it's not uh, you know, you, you're you're traveling there on Christmas probably or before. Um, you know, I, I remember uh going there that year and uh 
Um, got there like late afternoon, early evening, and um, my uh, we're looking for pretty much all, all the restaurants were downtown were all closed. So yeah. looking for bite to eat. Myself and Ryan Burns ended up going to the Greek Greek Town Casino where you know they they had some stuff. Sure. And it's like uh, you know my line from that one was like uh, at the Greek Town on, on Christmas night the uh, the uh, air hung heavy with the the smell of uh, stale uh, cigarettes smoke and 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 regret. There was for so, yeah, that's it was uh, yeah it was uh, it was quite the uh, quite the place to be on Christmas night. Kind of how the Gophers' season smells at this point, though, Randy. <laughs> after after four straight losses, if we're being honest, maybe not the cigarettes, but the regret for sure. How did how did we get there? I mean, there were there was a point where they were five and three. They'd beaten Iowa, you know. They they were winning some games close, but they you know they'd kind of maybe seemed like they had kind of escaped the shadow of that disappointing Northwestern collapse, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're they're up on Illinois. They're like one play away from being bowl eligible, and next thing you know, they're five and seven. What what happened to get them to this point, and what are some of those things that again we saw Saturday? Yeah, well, it it, it was something. You know, they're sitting there on. Um... October twenty eighth, they they won their second straight. Uh, they they beat uh, Michigan State at home, right? And they're in the driver's seat for for the Big Ten West. You have Illinois and Purdue coming up. Um, you know, you're thinking, okay, those could be wins. You know, if you play. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when they lost to Northwestern, that kind of like you know raised a little doubt. But sure. you know, they're winnable games. They had to go to Ohio State. You know, you knew that was going to be a loss, and then they finished with Wisconsin, a team they had beaten two years in a row. So you're thinking that they're they're going to be they have a really good chance to win it to get to Indy or they'll be right on the cusp but yeah. then uh, everything fell apart against Illinois I don't think they really recovered from that Illinois loss yeah. uh, when when Illinois went um, 80 85 yards in uh, basically three plays to take the lead with 50 seconds left uh, and you know the defense was just demoralized there and it's and then you know the injuries it took a toll the next week at Purdue where, you know, Purdue just ran all over them. Uh, big play after big, big play and rolled up uh, 604 yards. So this, you know, the roof just caved in basically. Wisconsin, they were up, Gophers were up 14, seven in the second quarter. Right. And then it just kind of, again, just too much inconsistency. Right. And that maybe gets us to a discussion of roster stuff, quarterback stuff going into next year. I mean, we're not in next year yet because they do have a, a yet to be determined bowl game, but you know what are what are they going to do at quarterback? What are, what do you, how do they solve some of these inconsistency issues on offense? Yeah, that's that's a good question. You know, it uh, at quarterback, Ethan Kalik Manis just didn't uh, match the, uh, the the promise that he showed at the end of last year. He, you know, he rallied him back against uh, Wisconsin late in the season, threw for over three hundred yards. It, it's you know, people were expecting more of that version of him than they got this year. And this year was one that this, you know, he was not consistent. Uh, just a uh, lot of, a lot of bad throws. He wasn't helped by drops from his receivers to either, but uh, he just wasn't, uh, wasn't an accurate quarterback. Uh, and, you know, it, it would show up. It, it, he'd be good for parts of games like he was Saturday against Wisconsin. Yeah. Off really well. Um, four or five, I believe it was for like 61 yards right away. Uh, and then, as the game went on, he, he just uh, became less and less accurate, and uh, the decisions weren't as good. And and there, there you go. Now it's too early, I would think, to to write him off. But this is you know this is a full season's worth of games. 
got to imagine they at least look at the transfer portal for, if not the guy, um, someone who's going to at least challenge Calic Manis and could could win the job if this continues, right? Yeah, I think they, I think they have to look long and hard at the transfer portal. And, you know, they need to give Ethan some competition back there. I think that would help. Um, and if it's a guy that beats him out, so be it. Uh, yeah, the the tough part of getting a transfer transfer quarterback, um, it's going to be expensive uh, with NIL. You know, do they do they have enough money to to get themselves a quarterback uh, while also getting NIL money for some players they want to keep that, that might be uh, targets for for a team trying to poach. So it's 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 how they use that money is it's going to be in what they have with uh, through Dickie Town athletes. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting offseason that way. Are there like known like going rates for a Big Ten quarterback? Like this is kind of new to me. This is new to a lot of us. Like what what NIL means and how much it takes to keep players. And I know they've struggled to raise money. Like is that getting better? It was probably a topic for a whole other offseason show. But like where are they right now with that? And what like, what does yeah, it even take to get a quarterback? Like what's the what's the dollar figure if we're talking about it? It sounds like free agency almost. Well, it, it is. It really is. Um, yeah, you know the collectives are you know they're very you know guarded with their information. You of course know, they are. Yes. Yeah. You know the the rumblings I heard. Um, uh, Cave McNamara, who transferred from Michigan to Iowa, rumblings I heard. You know nothing verified, but it was like between two and three hundred thousand that wow. he got uh, to go there. And you know he was a an accomplished quarterback at Michigan. Um, yeah, I I I don't know what uh, you know some of those that uh, have entered the portal already. Uh, Mississippi State's quarterback entered over the weekend. And I just saw um, earlier today that, um, or it was yesterday, Max uh, Max Johnson, uh, Texas A.M., the son of Brad Johnson, former oh, Vikings, wow. yeah, has has entered entered the portal. So you know he could be a, a person that's in demand. So uh, you know Wisconsin won with a transfer uh, quarterback, uh, Tanner Mordecai from SMU, and um, after the game, it uh, you know Flex said that's what a Big Ten quarterback looks like. Mm. You know. I, you could you could tell he was um, he wants one of those. <laughs> you could tell. So, that. and the the portal is not opened indefinitely, right? There there are moments yeah. that it's open and closed. How does that work? It'll open on December fourth, and oh, very soon. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Next next week, and yeah, that that's open for a couple weeks, I believe. Or is it? I'd, I'd have to look the exact. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Off of my head, but uh, and there, there's two windows, and then there, there's one in uh, April. Um, so yeah, it's like they they've tightened that up. It used to be a longer period, but they the the coaches want a little bit more uh, clarity, you know, roster so, clarity. Yeah, well, because you know they can build their rosters. I mean, you still you'll still you still could get dinged after spring ball um, with with that other, that later window, but uh, I at least with the shorter window up up front here, they'll they'll know better what what it's the roster starting to look like at least. We'll know what sort of readjustments they intend to make PJ Fleck labeling this a readjustment season after they lost to Wisconsin. It was, um, that was the first I'd heard of it. Um, I believe that was the first you'd heard of that term as well. What do you, what do we, what do we make of that? I think there's some honesty to it, but it also feels kind of curious to call it that after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, you know, he, he, he likes his labels, I guess, you know, year zero slapped on that. We, We had not heard that one. This no. year, um, yeah, it's it's I you know I think he was a lot more optimistic that uh, how good this team could be 
than it turned out. You know, so it's it's just it's just one of those. Yeah, okay, let's see what what, what can we salvage from the season. What can we what can we uh, do? What can we learn? Um, yeah, it, it's it's one where okay, it, he's going to call it that. Um, you know, what I think a lot of people are going to call it, they're going to call it five and seven. Yeah. And it's, and it's a five and seven after you were five and three. And you know, and what's, I mean, what's funny too is I would, you know, if that was the being favored in the Big Ten or having to kind of feel like you were in the driver's seat was predicated on Iowa losing again at some point. They never lost again, did they? Didn't they just run the table oh, from there? They did not. Yeah. Their, their two losses this year were at 31 nothing at Penn State and then 12 uh, 10 uh, to the Gophers. And Ference is still mad about it. You see Ference over the weekend talking about how the how they got screwed, he said. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's, he's pretty bitter over that one. Well, then maybe, uh, maybe uh, Cooper DeGene shouldn't have been uh, sending out all That's those. What I'm saying. Uh, which I mean, I'm I'm convinced that was part of the strategy that, yeah. that he's trying to bait the Gophers into slowing down on that, and you know, yeah, those were grab it at the last second and, and run with it, and almost got away with it. Those are not typical movements of someone who's just trying to maintain their balance. I will say that if that was his, if that was his reasoning there, I, I'm not buying it. But Iowa, you know, for for all of their offensive woes, you know, did end up being just a, a two loss team, and they will be going to the Big Ten title game to, you know, presumably get beat like 24 to three by Michigan or something like that. I don't know what the final score will be, but that that would be my guess, something like that. Uh, you know, yeah, I see Michigan started as a like a twenty three point favorite. Um, I don't know. I mean that that would uh, it would be something if if Iowa somehow clamps down on them on defense and uh, somehow gets an interception or a return or whatever to to pull that one out. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, it would be interesting karma for Michigan, though, wouldn't it? The Harbaugh gets to coach in that game, right? Is he back now? Uh, let's see here. I think it, it was just the final three regular season games, and now he gets to be yeah, back for that. I believe so. Yeah, because it was the game I before. It was the game before Ohio State, the Ohio State game, and then who did they just who did they just play? What or was it Ohio State just now? I can't remember. Well, you don't know what it was. It was Maryland who they okay. they played. Okay. Now was it? I'm trying to remember. Was it two? No. Does he get to coach in the? I think he does. I I can't remember for sure, but I think I think he gets to come back now, doesn't he? I. I don't know. This all runs together. This has been such a weird, yeah. <laughs> been such a weird year in the Big Ten, and again, everything changes next year. Obviously, with the with the uh, the changing of the of the Big Ten. Maybe yeah. my final thought here, Randy, is this: like you know, everything's changing in college football. Can we get rid of some of these bowl games by then? There's 82 teams go to a bowl game. That's too many. There's too many bowl games. Why? Do, why does a five and seven team even have a chance in the first place? Uh, you know, I'm going to disagree with you on the the uh, too many. Okay. You th- football. I like college football. I'll keep the ball. What, what What do you? you know, and it's a lot of you know, it's, a lot of it's yes. ESPN programming. You know, you, you yes. Bowls. Yes. Do you, what What do you want on ESPN? You want to see cornhole? You want You want to see dodgeball? Do you? You know, I'd rather see football. I mean, I guess it just seems strange. It's a, it, It's not. It's not entirely disproportionate with, you know really like 20 of 30 NBA teams now getting either into the play-in or the, or the the playoffs straight up, or, you know, you still got 16 NHL teams that, that make the, make the playoffs. It's more than half in all these cases. It's just a strange, it just doesn't mean a whole lot. I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird way to say we did something when you really didn't do all that much, but I guess the beauty of it too, is this, if you want to avoid it, you can easily do so. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. You don't have to watch it if you don't want to. I'm I'm probably not going to watch it. I'll probably watch the Gophers game and a few others, but I will not uh, I will not be partaking heavily in bowl season. But we'll find out soon enough who they're uh, who they're playing, and uh, then I'm, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about that at some point too. Well, Randy, get a little time off at some point here. I hope. I know they got practices and stuff like that now that they now that they're going to be bowl eligible. But uh, hope you get a little bit of downtime, and uh, and we'll we'll catch up with you down the road. Sounds good, Mike. Appreciate it. Postscript to my conversation with uh, Randy Johnson. The Gophers wasting <clears throat> no time in the transfer portal. Sounds like um, a quarterback from New Hampshire, Max Brosmer, leading passer in FCS this year, 3,464 yards passing, 29 touchdowns, 64% completion rate, only five interceptions. He said on social media Monday that he has received a scholarship offer from the Gophers. Interesting that they are already trying to pounce on someone in the portal. The portal will open even further soon, but you know, lower levels right now getting into the mix. So interesting right there that they're at least trying to bring someone in. It seems like this is someone they, they could probably go and get and could be a good fit. So we'll see if he ends up being the guy here or if he at least provides competition to see if they can bring the best out of that position next year because they did not do that this season. Well, let's finish with the cooler. It's funny how quickly... A coach can be a genius and then not a genius and then a genius and then not a genius. Dean Evison fired as the wild coach. He had a really good three, three and a half year run here. His his record with the wild coming into this season, if we just put all the losses into one pot and not parse overtime losses, things like that, because guess what? Overtime wins count as, as regular wins. Overtime losses should count as losses, at least on your coaching record. His record coming into this season was 142 and 90. That's really good. His points percentage every year before this was, you know, like six last year, 628. Year before that, 689. Year before that, 670. He was really good in the regular season. Now, the playoffs were another story. He'd, he'd gone four straight series where they had been eliminated, four, four series where they had a series lead. Um, and didn't get it done ultimately in the series. So that that's problematic. I get that. That was probably a piece of this, that he was maybe on the hot seat a little bit, maybe even coming into the season because of a lack of playoff success, and then you have this terrible start this year with their 5-14. and 14. But Dean Evison, a good coach until he's not. Kevin O'Connell, a good coach until he's not. Chris Finch takes a lot of heat last year, takes some heat early in this season when they're you know, when the offense looked a little ragged, when they blew that game against Atlanta, all of a sudden the Wolves are 12-4. and four. Chris Finch is a genius now. It's, sometimes it's just very much dependent on how people are playing and not so much a philosophical change. So keep that in mind. Wolves, uh, Wolves Thunder tonight, by the way, should be a great one. Wolves on a roll, Thunder on a roll. That should be a really good game. Um, but bigger picture, hey, sometimes these guys are just the same guys and it all depends on how the players are playing. That'll do it for me today. Lots more Vikings tomorrow. We'll do our regular film review with Andrew Kramer. Some Gopher Volleyball talk coming up later this week as well with Jeff Day to get you set up for the NCAA tournament. Gophers play Friday, so that is coming up later this week as well. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Michael Rand. Back at it again tomorrow.